Hey everybody, welcome. This is a new Still Playing With Toys format. I am joined with a good friend of mine, Drew Drescher, who is uh, Skyping from a remote location, a far off place, somewhere in the Midwest. And the Man Bunker, just outside of Chicago. The Man Bunker. Uh, so Drew and I have been really good friends for a really long time. Uh, we have not uh, talked to each other as frequently as we should. So the, f the thought came up that maybe we should talk to each other, uh, catch up on pop culture stuff, because that's what we used to do all the time, every day. You know, uh, especially in high school, we would get up, go on the bus, get to school, and then we'd have to sit around for like an hour and a half, two hours until classes start. So Drew and I would just sit in the halls and we would talk about stuff, and it was just a lot of fun. And we haven't done that in years and years and years. So the idea is to uh, to get Drew on the horn and talk to him about all the things that he's psyched about and all of the cool things that he's getting to do out in the Midwest. And uh, I can tell him all the things that I'm doing out here on the West Coast, like Comic-Con, and he can talk about Gen Con. And uh, yeah, it's it's just going to be a, a lot of fun. And, and if you're listening, hopefully it's fun for you. And if you're not listening, we didn't need you anyway, you jerks. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so Drew, uh, let's talk about first Gen Con, which was uh, August, uh, second, second week in August. Um, tell yeah, me, tell me a little bit uh, about that. Because you've, you've gone to the 17th in Indianapolis and for a... Uh, Gen Con is basically the uh, the biggest board gaming convention that's here in the U.S. So um, it's kind of the the Super Bowl convention that anybody who's a, a big board game geek likes to go to. Um, I know a lot of my uh, gaming group friends tend to take a lot of their their work schedule vacation time is is taken right around Gen Con. It's kind of a two week gaming hiatus from life. So. Uh, it was a great time. I uh, get to catch up with a lot of people in the industry that I haven't seen since I worked in it. Uh, get to demo a lot of the new games that are coming out and uh, see some of the cool stuff that's kind of on the gaming horizon as far as that's concerned. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so so let's, for people that don't know you as well as I know you, what you worked in the games industry, you still paint uh, miniatures for the for the gaming stuff that you do, you compete. Tell, tell us a little bit about that kind of stuff that you do. Yeah, so uh, right out of college, I actually worked. Uh, I worked for one of the one of the bigger board gaming companies out there, Games Workshop. I worked for them for about two two and a half years. Um, I did some painting for them. I I, I did some uh, my technical term. I think by the time I left was kind of like a regional communications manager. I did like marketing stuff for them. Uh, after that, though, just from uh, while I was working for them, I I had gotten involved in the. Uh, in miniatures painting pretty heavily because I'd initially gotten into the hobby as an artist, so I like painting stuff. Uh, I started kind of competing on the the painting circuit. They had a, a a award called the Golden Demons that they held every year, and that was kind of the the gold standard for for miniatures painting at the time. So I used to compete in in that and uh, in won some awards. So after I left Games Workshop, I, I started taking on commissions as an artist and working for kind of local collectors just painting miniatures in my free time uh fast forward about five or six years i still do that but i i tend to do it for uh gaming companies now that have uh maybe a kickstarter release coming up and uh, all the miniatures they have coming through their pipeline uh they their studios can't handle it so they contract out um so i i tend to do that when i'm not painting for myself so yeah and and uh it, like like gaming, board gaming seems to have, you know, when you go to like the San Diego Comic Con, there's one little um, 
chunk that's dedicated to to gaming and there's maybe like a little area that's sort of roped off that you see people playing but it's not that big of a thing but gen con is kind of like the mecca of of board gaming right it's it's sort of the main focus it really is at least in the in the u.s that's that's the big one to go to that's where uh a lot of the big companies in the board gaming space kind of uh tout their new releases or they have the big reveals for stuff that's coming out so it's it's a lot like the the comic-con of the board gaming industry so that's where you see all the big stuff coming out is is through gen con yeah yeah so gen con 2014 what struck you as the most uh exciting what what did you see that is coming out or what uh what experiences that you have that you walked away going dude that was so awesome um there's a couple of cool ones uh i'm a just from computer gaming days back in the, in the mid nineties, I was a huge fan of, uh, XCOM UFO defense and those kind of tactical strategy games. Uh, fantasy flight games is kind of one of the big publishers out there in the board gaming space. And they're releasing a, uh, a XCOM UFO defense, uh, board game that's based around the, uh, the Firaxis release that they had back in 2012. So the computer game that just got redone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting in that it's uh, it's app driven. So there's a there's an app that you actually download with the game that one person uses to kind of control the flow of the game, um, and based on your group's performance uh, in previous rounds, uh, the app can alter difficulty or dif- or alter the time that you have to make decisions and. It's kind of interesting. So the core of the game is still the same. It's uh, repelling an alien invasion. So it's essentially like Men in Black if it was a military institution instead of a police force. So your whole idea behind the game is to uh, shoot down UFOs, go on missions, recover alien technology, reverse engineer it, and then use that technology to drive out the invaders. Um, the game plays it really well on a global scale. So you're kind of taking the look at, okay, here's the whole world you know, alien hotspots are here. Where are you going to send your troops? Where are you going to send your interceptors? And then, based on your outcome there, you're you're working to that final payoff. And it's pretty fast paced and requires you to make a lot of split decisions with uh, with your teammates. And at the end of the day, I think uh, the demos that I saw being run, and I played through a couple of them, were about 45 minutes long. You can go through the entire game. Oh, but wow. depending on people's decisions and, and how they roll on certain events, you know, it's it's still got a lot of replay because it's very randomized as to what's going to happen. Oh, it's, is uh, Fantasy Flight the same company that does the X-Wing game as well? Yes. Yeah, the same guys that do X-Wing. Yeah, um, yeah. And myriad other. They, they've got the license on most of the big properties out there, so anything that's... If you're into Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer 40K related, Fantasy Flight kind of owns the board game space there. It got licensed. Um, they've got X-Wing. Uh, yeah, the XCOM is is new. I think they're still in negotiations with Firaxis about the license because they had a bunch of big stamps over there that said pending license or approval. But <laughs> it seems to be pretty much in the bag um, in terms of them owning that property as well from the board gaming space. Nice, nice. So when when do you get a chance to play? Because you're you're a family man, you're a company man. When when do you get a chance to actually sit down and play? Do you set time aside per week, like on a week weekly basis or weekends, or how do you how do you get to yeah, play? Yeah, I've, I've got a group. Um, we uh, we kind of all get together and hang out. Usually we we try to do it once a month, uh, where we can get away from the you know families and work and just have a guys night where we hang out playing games. Um, We'll go to a local gaming store. Or we'll go to one of the guys' houses and kind of sit in. And uh, we will either play a campaign-based game, or we'll play something like Pathfinder, or something that takes a long time to complete. Or yeah. if not, we'll have uh, we'll have kind of one-off sessions where we'll you know we'll finish the game in a night, and it's something that's smaller and just kind of 
fun to play, relax a little bit from the uh, the long term campaign based games that you you kind of generally associate board gaming with stuff like D and D and things like that, where you could carry on for a couple of years playing the same character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember. Uh, it was like those long games of risk where you would uh, like the like the Seinfeld episode have to carry the board around and put it in your friend's house and put it up on the refrigerator and yeah yeah I uh, remember still in high school in Colorado I had a game of Axis and Allies that I ran with uh, with a couple of friends right around where I lived that ended up taking the entirety of our summer break I think <laughs> we had to put the board up on like the uh, up on the cabinet between games so nobody would disturb it. But uh, so speaking of, of games that last a long time, uh, you just started playing Diablo uh, 3 again, right? Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a totally different experience than the first time that you were playing it? Yeah, it was a, it was a brief hiatus, probably spurred on by the, uh, the birth of my second kid. But uh, I, was, uh, I was playing Diablo 3. After the, uh, after the server issues with the initial launch of Diablo 3, I had a lot of fun playing it and uh, built up a bunch of characters and then uh my second kid was born so i tend to i took a little break and uh came back recently just after the uh after uh, reaper of souls came out so the expansion to diablo 3 and they had a revision of the loot system and all sorts of fun stuff so um that big patch that basically made a bunch of fundamental changes in how the game is played so it was interesting it was like coming back to a brand new game i actually uh over tasked myself a little bit because I realized they didn't have difficulties set anymore. There used to be normal nightmare, hell mode, inferno mode in terms of general difficulty. And uh, when I came back in, it said I was on normal mode. I was like, what the hell is this? So I, uh, <laughs> I dialed it up a few notches and all of a sudden normal. I was old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normal mode. Ugh. You're, I'm back you, in to play normal mode, jeez. But you you only do PC gaming, right? You don't have a console yet, or I don't. I was a I was a never never go to the console wars type of guy. So yeah. uh, I think the la- the last console I had was a PlayStation Two, and that so uh, was so I could play God of War. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I've been running everything off of my PC, so yeah, I need to. I haven't been a. Uh, part of the whole console exclusive you know war people bickering back and forth about that i'll just play stuff when it comes out on my pc i mean that's that's been going on since we were kids though like there was the nintendo sega war and then and then as soon as playstation came in then it was sort of nintendo playstation but uh yeah we we got around that through emulators though we were able to put uh put emulators (laughs) on the pc and i could play both so yeah exactly what uh what would it take to get you to play a console what do you what do you think it like if you um, if there was something that immediately made you have to go to the store and pick up a console, what would it be? It's a good question. Um, Mass Effect. <laughs> On console-only console only Mass Effect. If Mass Maybe. Effect 4 is an Xbox One exclusive, we have to buy you an Xbox One. Yeah, that'd probably make me do it. Especially if Garrus was involved, because he and I are bros for life. But... Um, <laughs> Garrus is a badass. I love that guy. It is. And I, I don't think it's any particular reason that it has had me not do it aside from financially. Um, so it'd probably be a, I don't, I'm trying to think of what game would make me make me pull the trigger and jump into it. I know uh, I think the more I start talking to you guys on Facebook, the more I want to do it as well because I hear about the, just getting it into, into playing online like that because I'd never gotten really into online play even on the PC. I yeah. mean, I would play... I'd play stuff locally, so I did. I never played World of Warcraft because I knew what it would do to my social life and my 
<laughs> I, dude, I was the same way. I started playing. I, I played my free trial of Warcraft, and immediately after I had been killing wolves for about four or five hours, I realized that this was going to be a massive time suck. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I have to. No, I'm not paying for the rest of this subscription. Yeah, I, I, I just kind of. I think I inherently knew that what what that would do to my free time and my social life, and I uh, I actively avoided it. So. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit of a late bloomer in terms of the the cooperative online play thing, just because of I think I think that initial aversion to it, knowing what it would do to my free time. Oh man, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun though, especially once you kind of get a, a gang together and and you start doing all this co-op stuff together. That you know you're you're sitting, you're talking, you're catching up, you're making fun of the other people that join into your uh, to your quest. <laughs> yeah, you know, makes just... sense. And I I had it initially, I think in college, my. Uh, one of my roommates, we'd set up a little LAN in our apartment, so yeah. we would have LAN games in the apartment, and oh, we had man. you know five or six PCs hooked up to it, so everybody could be in a different room on a PC, and we could we could join in that type of craziness. I forgot it like the Unreal tournaments that we would have. It was like junior senior mm-hmm. year of high school where we would set up everybody's iMac or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and no, I, I, I remember playing a lot of. Uh, Soldier of Fortune, a lot yeah. of Unreal Tournament 2004, um, a lot of stuff like that on uh, on on the the PC LAN party stuff. It was a good time. Yeah, well, so it's it's like that, but you know, uh, we could be playing with you in the Midwest and somebody, some of our friends in Colorado, and you know, it would be a lot of fun. So I'm just trying to talk you into getting a console. Is basically what I'm saying, and gotcha. uh, maybe for Christmas we'll make sure that you know that happens. But yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's actually one of the things I'm excited about. It even in the the board gaming space now is a lot of these uh, a lot of these games that are coming out are, are somewhat app driven, and uh, some of them actually have uh, regionalized online play. Where if it's a game that's app driven, you can actually load it up through your tablet or your smartphone, and you can play with your friends that have a copy of the game that are you know half a half a nation away, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I know one of my uh, one of my gaming group members had recently moved to Florida, so we had a uh, when we were at Gen Con, we'd picked up a game that had that capability, just so we could we could include him. Aside from you know putting Skype on and pointing the camera at the board game and saying, "Yeah, where are you going to move your guy?" <laughs> yeah, it sort of ruins the illusion once you're in the mode of okay, this is our character, this is what we're doing, and here's oh wait, hold on, let me move the Skype cam. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, sort of takes you out of it. What does the disembodied voice have to say about this? <laughs> this box over here. <laughs> um, have you uh, have you seen any good movies lately? What's what's the most uh, recent thing that you've seen that's sort of caught most, your eye? Most recent would have to probably be Guardians. Yeah, uh, dude, Guardians was so good. I know, and I was actually talking with my neighbor about it today, and we're basically saying, you know, that what's so appealing i think is that that would basically be us if we got kidnapped at right around that age you know by aliens we would basically want to be han solo and try to live out that fantasy as much as possible since i'm in it you know in an age of now in an age of spaceships and ray guns i would totally want to be han solo yeah that's that's like all that you had seen as a kid in space so it makes sense oh i guess i'm in space i need to act this way i need to be the scoundrel that's kind of like a roughneck that goes around drinking and blowing things up and stealing things yeah makes sense yep you know uh, yeah it's it's the funniest thing for me is it seems the biggest biggest payoff line in that movie is when uh when he gets referred to as star lord by somebody else 
yes <laughs> and you see his eyes light up my, yeah exactly my boyhood dream is finally fulfilled i am now a, <laughs> a space superhero <laughs> that's so good and chris pratt is sort of that good sort of every guy that you kind of feel i don't know like i feel i could be him and i feel like you could be him and anybody could be chris pratt as this this uh star lord so yep yeah yeah i like guardians we ended up seeing it i've seen it twice in the theaters kelly's seen it three times it's one of those rare occasions where my wife has seen a movie more times than me in the theater which is wow. kind of funny but uh yeah no i definitely need to get back out and see it again before it leaves the theaters i know my uh my neighbor wants me to go because we're both big comic book geeks and want to kind of see all the easter eggs we can spot in there because there's quite a yeah. few especially in the uh, the collector's office so yeah exactly i don't did you see that thing where uh i guess they had originally planned to have stan lee be one of the items in the collector's boxes and they were just going <laughs> to walk past and and he was going to give Groot the finger I, that would have been amazing but i guess it didn't uh it didn't pass the standards and practices that they had to go through but yeah <laughs> plus he already got his cameo earlier yeah yeah exactly he just ended up showing up on the planet but uh but yeah, well, uh, so we're at just about our time of 20 minutes here. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and it flew by. So I think we need to do this more often, Drew. Is, is I think so. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again soon. And we'll we'll uh, you know we'll we'll be more focused on topics. Uh, I'm just trying to catch up with everything with you because I haven't talked to you in a year. So <laughs> that's what's true. That's what's ended up happening so. here. Yeah, exactly. Since I got married, which was almost a year ago today. So craziness. I know. It's so it goes by so fast. Much like this 20 minutes has gone by. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, Drew will join us uh, on future podcasts, hopefully more often and frequently, and. And uh, Drew, thanks, thanks for joining us today. No problem, man. It was a party. Mm-hmm.